Welcome back, folks. Phew. It's been a long time. About a month since my last broadcast. Yeah. Uh, I've been busy, however, juggling time with some other projects I've been working on. I got my first of two COVID shots, by the way. Yay. Right. That was a big accomplishment for me. Sure. Ha! Oh, and another audio project that's been a joy to work on. Today, we, Sister Beverly and Brother Bob and I, present the final piece of Kent Nussie's trilogy. Mm-hmm. Sister Beverly. Yes. Welcome. Thanks. Preacher's kid. <laughs> Brother Bob, welcome. Oh, as always, PK, thank you. You know, this piece by Brother Kent, I think I can address him as a brother, right? No, for sure. Of course. This piece is about as weird as its title. It's weird (laughs) because it's about me in my very early 30s. I was just a kid, really, who just didn't grow up the normal way. You know what I mean. But it was pretty tricky reading it out loud because I couldn't believe the state of mind I existed in back then. Spooky, I must say. Not horrific. Oh... You'll Let's see what I mean. Let's get to it, PK. Well, basically, folks, what you are about to hear is me reading the letter story that Kent sent to me this week. So, there may be names and places that are known only to Kent and me. Uh, but they don't distract from when uh, mm-hmm. what went on as Kent experienced PK? it. PK? Yep. Okay. Brother Bob, get ready. When I say go, you go. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I got it. Ladies okay. and gentlemen. Go. Go. No. Brother Bob, go. Okay. Okay. The Wig. By Kent Nussie. It was during one of those hopeful springs in Syracuse. I hopped on the bus to spend a few days with you in Rochester. You were staying with Dallas in that great apartment he had in the city. It was spacious and bright, a functioning art studio full of his paintings and drawings. Lots of windows and great views of the street. I think he even had a press in there to make his prints. There was a big airy kitchen with an espresso maker. I don't think I'd even had an espresso at that point in my life. And Dallas, of course, was a cool cat, obviously talented. A real artist, already through the MFA program at Iowa. But I am trying to recall the stage you were at then. You and Priscilla had already split up, right? 
I think you and Lisa had just hooked up. Did you have your own apartment in Rochester? Or were you living with her? Anyhow, you were likewise embarked on a new season in your life. Perhaps somewhat more uncertain than mine or Dell's, but with its own kind of hope. You were, I think, looking for work in the city, trying to start over in Rochester. But it was May, springtime in the world, and we were, all of us, still young and brimming with ambition and energy. I recall riding the bus through that lush, green, western New York countryside and feeling the blood rise again after the awful Syracuse winter. The air was warm and sweet in Rochester when I climbed off the bus. Maybe it was the time of the big lilac festival and looked for you and Dallas in the station. I think I saw Dallas first. Couldn't quite place you in the passers-by. Dell had a big grin on his big owlish face. Never said a word when I asked, Where's Kendall? <laughs> then you turned. Yet it was you, but... But a grotesque transformation of you under a sandy, blonde, $10 wig. <laughs> you never cracked a smile, but said calmly, Why, hello, Ken. Did you have a good trip? I gaped. I gasped. What? I dropped my duffel bag and fell to my knees. People turned to look. Dallas never said a word, just grinned and rolled his eyes. The effect was so weird. You wore a short-sleeved light blue sport shirt and under the wig looked like some sort of bookish mannequin or a Victorian robot. The wig was all wrong. Wrong color with a severe side part. And the hair, of course, looked nothing like human hair but was obviously some kind of synthetic fiber. People stared. Uh, let me help you with your bag, you said. You lifted it and walked ahead of us out of the station. I kept looking for Dell for explanation, but he just rolled his eyes and grinned. We wandered out into the spring sunshine and started down the street toward Dell's place. We let you walk a little ahead of us. You kept saying, what's the matter? Afraid to be seen with me? The story, as you told it, as we walked, was that you'd bought the wig, God knows where, hardware and army navy store <laughs> to help you land a job so you wouldn't have to cut your hair which you were wearing long then as we walked I noticed long curling wisps of reddish hair trailing out from under the harsh blonde wig oh I kept looking to, to Dallas to see oh if any of this was on the level the wig was that 
awful. Or were you just pulling my leg? Oh my goodness. Della shook his head and shrugged and smiled. But the plot had a wrinkle. The other reason you bought the wig was that your parents were visiting that night. And you feared they'd disapprove of your long hair, which in fact was longer than you'd ever worn it before. It all seems unreal and kind of funny now, but I seem to recall you actually had a strong feeling about your hair, that it meant something to you. Perhaps it symbolized the reemergence of your real self after years of uneasy marriage. Mm -hmm. Am I making this up? But I do remember having the idea at the time. And I remember that once we got back to the apartment, I got Dallas aside and asked him what was really going on with the wig. It kind of worried me. Sure, it's a joke, yeah. right? He good. sees how awful it looks, right? Yeah, yeah. Dallas chuckled. I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> we had a big night planned. Your parents would show up for a cup of tea, and then you and I and Dell would go out and meet Laura Woods and some of her friends at a bar for food and alcohol. Hold, was I then? 27 or 28 at most? Mm -hmm and always ready to run out to a bar and see what was going on. I was ever up for adventure, certain that something great, something important oh, was yeah. going to happen out there. Oh, yeah. So we cleaned up ourselves and the apartment and waited for your parents. The apartment was on the second floor overlooking a busy street. And I remember your parents rang the buzzer and Dell went down to let them in. I greeted them from the top of the stairs, but you had posed yourself thoughtfully at the kitchen counter on a stool, sitting thoughtfully with your back to the doorway your parents would come through. And of course, you had not taken the wig off since the bus station. Oh, boy. <laughs> I glanced down at your parents and Dell behind them, climbing the stairs and then back at you, sitting at the counter, your back to me, the weirdly blonde wig glowing unnaturally over your blue shirt. You may have even had a book in your hand. I greeted your parents at the top of the stairs and they stepped into the apartment. You did not turn. Your mom said, well, hello, Kendall, quite brightly, but she'd seen the wig and her face changed. She knew something was amiss. Then your father, just behind her, said, hello, Kendall. He blinked, his face blank, that blank, slightly apprehensive look he often wore. Yeah. As if surprised, you straightened, turned and rose slowly from your seat. Why, hello, mother. Hello, father. Oh. 
You spoke slowly with an astonished look on your face, as if you hadn't known they were coming. A little panicked, I glanced from you to your parents to Dallas, standing behind them. He rolled his eyes and shook his head. Well, your parents came in, sat down, and chatted amicably as Dallas, always the gracious host, served them tea from a nice pot in nice china cups. But nobody said a word about the wig. It was all highly weird, but perfectly normal, as so much of life has been since then. At last, your folks said goodbye and went back down the stairs and drove home to Houghton just as the sun was going down. And at last, you took off the wig and shook out your glorious long locks. We hustled to meet Laura and her friends at a downtown bar, perfectly happy as we walked along in the fresh spring evening in the city. I think I knew the stroll through the city twilight would be better than the long boozy night. It always was. And I wished that you and I and Dell could just keep walking. When we stepped into the appointed bar, music was blaring and Laura was dancing on a tabletop. You remember Laura, a very pretty redhead, skinny but stylish, very correct and proper at Houghton, but with the fun side. She had a delightfully goofy laugh that always made me smile. I think Dallas had a little crush on her at the time, but he couldn't get through her zaniness and religiosity. Mm-hmm. The combination thwarted him. Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, and I remember this vividly, as we sat drinking Genesee beer, you confided to Laura that you were thinking of becoming a Unitarian. Her face showed alarm. She put her hand on your wrist. Oh, Oh, no, Kendall, don't do it. When you're a Unitarian and you die, they'll release balloons at your funeral. (laughs) To this day, I've never heard a better definition of Unitarianism. I went back to Syracuse a day or two later, and I think we might not have seen each other again for a while after that. The period when Dell had the apartment in Rochester was a sort of interlude before Katrin and I went to California and Dell got married and found a real academic job and Lisa had Lindsay new lives for all of us. We were caught up in the currents of our lives that spring. I was in the full swim of faith in myself and my talent 
never doubting I had a remarkable career ahead of me. But uh, looking back now, I see that we were still riding a current from our former lives, a continuum yet unbroken that connected us still to our parents, our earlier homes, and even to Houghton College. Didn't Dell grow up with Brad Beach? In all that Western New York mystery and magic. That night, we three walked down the city street. There seemed to be music in the air. A high singing bop. But that wig! I don't know, man. The wig seemed even then like a symbol, a portent of the inexplicable strangeness that would permeate my life, my stories starting exactly then and following me to the present. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. But all this was an old, weird America, and I wonder if any of it is left. Your path, Kent. Wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Hey, KP or PK. <laughs> Whatever. So, this was a letter to you that you read to us just now? Yes. Yes, it was. This is your friend, Kent, telling the story in this letter, right? Uh, that is correct. I mean, what I'm getting at is the question about whether the story was fictionalized or not. <laughs> well, oh, it gave me an uncomfortable feeling, reading, acting like I was Kent, telling the story about a weird stage in my life. I guess I'm trying to say that I was uncomfortable with the spot-on accuracy of Kent's retelling, if that answers your question. You know, folks, there's a kernel of truth here in the story. That damn wig. <laughs> almost a supernatural yeah. Yeah. halo yeah. Of a wig, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And PK ties into the preacher's kid theme of this broadcast. Huh. It becomes a story of trying to fit in with the world. Yeah, PK yeah. needs a job to live comfortably. So he compromises. Or is forced to compromise yeah. the freedom of wearing long hair. He buys that darn wig. <laughs> Compromising with something against one's nature it becomes true. a problem. Yeah, big Just problem. Just as you, PK, the preacher's kid, yeah. were compromised by the church of your childhood. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see that. I can see that. Yeah. That becomes an issue of personal freedom. Yes, Brother Bob. Big time. But we yeah. don't want to get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yes. That issue of 
personal freedom. That was a big problem for me. Uh, maybe it still is. I don't know. Well, folks, about time to wrap things up. Want to thank Kent Nussie one more time for taking the time to write his story in letter form. I loved it. Uh, Google his name for listings with Amazon of his published works. So, Sister Beverly, get ready to hit the Got button. Got you covered, PK. Hit it. May we all find our way. Oh, folks, I almost forgot. Thanks for listening. See you later.